0: Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He's so good. He's so good. I heard G.E. Patterson sing. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and what he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Praise God for saving me hallelujah (laughs) someone said why you sing so much I don't know but I know that when I start I can't stop (laughs) Bible says give him the praise give him the fruit of your lips and I grew up in church and they'd be pushing you to praise song leader get up and say give him a praise for the innermost parts of your belly God never said you had to do that he said give him the praise of your lips Because there's life and death in the tongue yeah. Sometimes I don't feel it in my belly But I sing it And I speak it And I shout it And all of a sudden it gets on the top of my head And it flows through the soles of my feet And I can't stop singing And I can't stop praising Because I'm overwhelmed By the goodness of Jesus Hallelujah Hallelujah Amen. I have been awake since very early this morning. Consumed by a Bible verse out of the book of Genesis chapter 18 and verse 22. Uh, the Lord's been stirring a word in my spirit all week to share with you. Uh, and I've read this particular passage I don't know how many times in my life. I know that today I would not be exaggerating if I tell you I've probably read over Genesis eighteen twenty-two probably about a hundred times. Because it won't, let, it won't let me go. There's a phrase in there that will not leave me. And it's become the cry of my heart today. It's what I want to preach to you about. It. It's what I'm going to pray over you. And um, I think there's revelation in the house today that's going to help us. So if you have your Bible or your phone or your Android. Or if you just want to look on the screens. We're going to the book of Genesis 18, 22. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, just to give it context. The Lord had come to visit Abram's tent. He had come to visit this man and this woman. That, that blows me away for it. So I, I'm going to end up preaching the sermon before I preach the sermon if I say too much. But he came to visit Abraham. And the other men, the angels of the Lord, went ahead to Sodom. This is what it says. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom. But it's this next phrase. But the Lord remained... With Abraham that's been key. that I've been awake since 5 a.m. asking myself what do I got to do so that the Lord will remain with me what does it take to be like Abraham and that when the angels depart the Lord says I'm gonna stay right here with Abraham father speak to our hearts today open our ears to hear Give our minds discernment and our hearts receptiveness to the word of God. I am fully aware that I am absolutely nothing without you. But through you we are made more than conquerors. So use me for your glory. Let everything I say and do point towards you. Bring glory to your name. And may your word be confirmed with a mighty move of your presence in this house. In Jesus name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. After being here for 18 weeks, you know all my jokes. <laughs> all my sayings. I, I only have so many. <laughs> and one of them that you've heard me say before and bears repeating this morning for this sermon is you know in, in the era in which we live in, you, there's been a thing in sports that's always been called Monday morning quarterbacks. and those are the people that will call into the radio programs on Monday and criticize or give their opinion about what the team ought to what, what they should have done better. And usually when they'll talk about the team, they won't reference it as the team. They'll say what we should have done as if they were on the field, but they were on the lazy boy. So they're called Monday morning quarterbacks. They're not in the game. They're not in the huddle, they're not in the practice, but they got a lot of opinions. And so do I. I got a lot of opinions about the sports teams I like. Well, the advent or the invention of social media has now given us Monday morning bishops and preachers and prophets that will tear apart your sermon verse by verse, and they're just looking for anything you said that they feel like they can just tear into and divide. And that's not the spirit of Christ, that's an Antichrist spirit. Anything that destroys and divides is not of God, it's of hell. So be careful getting caught up in being so divisive and so critical of everything that, that by accident you might be participating in tearing down the church instead of building up the kingdom. But I get messages during the week, and one of the ones that I've gotten over the last few years is I always get somebody that will write to me and say, Brother Suarez... How many steps does it take to be saved? Always trying to catch in false doctrine. And so the Lord gave me an answer for him. My answer is simply this. Well, it depends how long you live. Because God didn't call you to take a step. He called you to take a walk. Since the garden, his desire has been to walk with his creation. One of the things that Genesis reveals to us that he took pleasure in. Was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve in the coolness of the evening. He enjoyed walking with creation, and to this day, the Bible says he has given us. He, he's called us to walk with him. So I'm I'm not so caught up on did you do one, two, three. I'm more caught up with are you? Do you have a daily walk? with the Lord. Are you, are you perpetually walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus? Because the race isn't given to those that begin it. It's, it's about those that finish the race. I mean, a lot of people say they'll start by, uh, he's at the end looking for those that'll finish. And in this walk with God, we are consumed with wanting to know how to get heaven to the earth how to receive the blessing of the lord and there's not and, and I preached about it last week I preached about the kingdom I I told you last week doesn't matter what happens outside of the walls in the kingdom we're blessed we're highly favored our money doesn't suffer our health doesn't suffer because we're in the kingdom the kingdom is in us the kingdom operates in us we're king's kids we have an inheritance we have a blessing you got to know what your blessing is You you gotta gotta know what this word says. This is your warranty. This is your map. This is your guide. You gotta get to know it. You got, the only way to get to know it isn't, but it's reading it. You gotta open it up. You gotta get in the pages. You gotta get the word on the inside of you so that you know what thus saith the Lord. And this word lets us know. Yes, he is a very good God. The word lets us know that his word can't return void. The Bible says you can ask. And you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. If you knock, he'll answer. Everyone, the Bible says, that asketh, receiveth. Those are promises that you can take to the bank. They're guarantees. They never They never run out of, of power or energy. They're as real today as the day they were written. And we need to be reminded that he is a good, good father. We need to be reminded that we have an inheritance. We need to be reminded that God, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, God has now deposited it. On the inside of us, we need to be reminded that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And that we have power and supernatural abilities that other people don't possess. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can tell the mountain to be removed and it shall be cast into the sea. But I've been... Well, anyways, I don't want to get into that. That's a whole other thing that I've been dealing with in... uh, if a, okay, I'll just I'll just tell you what I've been dealing with as well. If it takes a grain, if if it takes faith like a grain of mustard seed to move a mountain, what kind of faith does it take to move a nation? All right, that's, I'm sorry, that's that's something else I'm working on. I'm trying to find the the conversion chart. Anyhow, look up. That's the conversion chart. We know he won't violate his word. We know that earth and uh, that earth shall pass away, but his word shall remain the same forever. He is a covenant God, a covenant speaking God. Hebrews 4 and 12 in the Amplified Version says the word of God is alive and full of power. It is active, operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That is the power of the word. That's why you can go through hell on earth during the week, but you come to the house of God and you get away word and you say, I don't know, there's just something about that service. That's because the Rama word, the preached word, the prophetic word is active. It's operative. It's energizing and it's effective. It's sharper than any two edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life. There's power in the word of God. We know that his word is forever settled. That's why you can come boldly before the throne of grace. For we have this promise that he that watches over Israel neither sleepeth nor slumbers. Because he is a good father. I didn't get that revelation until I had children. Having children helped me understand God as father. Because I didn't sleep well when they were babies. It's amazing to me. I didn't understand till I was a dad. I could be in Walmart and hear 25 crying babies, and they all sound the same to me. But when one of them belongs to you, you know that's yours. You say, oh, that's mine. Because you know the cry of your children. Since the beginning, when God spoke and created everything there was, other than that seventh day when he took a break, he hasn't slept nor slumbered because he's guarding Israel, he's guarding you, and he's hearing and listening for the cries of his children because that's how good of a father he is to us. Hallelujah. We know that he is a good, good God, but that's not really what I came to talk to you about. We know those things. We know, and if you don't know, then you then you need to learn because it'll change your life. You'll walk with different perspective and different insight when you know the promises of God. We know God's responsibility to us. We know that He said He's a healer, He's a waymaker, He's a provider, He's a savior. We know what name to call it. We know that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. We know. God's responsibility to creation. We know what he's supposed to do to us, but what has been in my spirit this week is I know God's responsibility to me, but what is my responsibility to God? That ladies and gentlemen is the changing point. That's what makes the difference for everyone in this room, and I know this is a little bit of a different sermon than than what I normally preach. Normally, I got somebody on the organ. I'm like, hey. I know, but I'm just I just want to talk to you for a few moments today about what's been in my heart because I know what God, according to His word, He is bound to His word, so I know what He's bound to do to me. And for me and through me, I know that I can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and my house and I shall be saved. I know that he 'll bless me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give unto me. I know that he 'll open up the floodgates of heaven and open up the windows, and there won 't be room enough to connect. I know that, but what about what I am responsible to do for him what causes God to visit a family like he did in Genesis? What causes him to come and tell the angels, you go on ahead. I want to spend some time alone with Abraham. A few years ago, I was preaching about 21, 22 years ago. I was preaching in Stockton, California I had nothing to preach about Shouldn't have been invited to preach But my dad Kind of like coerced that one He's Colombian And he told that pastor Hey you got that youth conference coming up You ought to have Tony I didn't have anything to preach But my dad You know Because when you got favor with your dad Your dad will open doors for you So I get invited They didn't put my picture on the flyer I think somebody with pen Wrote my name at the bottom Oh And someone named Tony's coming I don't know this is back in the day when you'd have conferences and you'd have four, five, six preachers all in one day. We've already heard 18 sermons. And, and I, I have nothing to say. I know I shouldn't be there. I know, I'm fully aware. I, I don't, I, I'm just here because my dad got opened a door for me and got me there. And I knew, I, I even felt that the people that were in the conference didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. I was struggling with severe insecurity. And there was one particular night where the, the Lord really moved. There was just a strong move of the Holy Ghost. And I was laying in between some seats, praying, talking to God, just crying out to God. Private prayers from, the, from, from, from my heart. And I felt the Lord talk to me and He said, Tony, what do you want of me? Now what I'm going to tell you sounds corny, it sounds cheesy, but give me grace to allow to explain why I prayed what I prayed. He said, what do you want of me? And I said... I want to be your friend. There was a strong, I wish I could describe it, a strong visitation of the presence of God. I never got zapped like I got zapped that day in the presence of God. It was And, and, and I don't fully, in the moment, I don't know if I fully understood what I was asking for. But let me, it's based out of James chapter 2, where it says that God said, Abraham was his friend. Abraham was a friend of God. Now, everybody in this room, and I want to be sensitive to whatever relationship you do or don't have with your biological parents. Everybody in this room has a biological father. But not everyone in this room has a relationship with their biological father. Now, some of you might have a relationship, but it might not be a good relationship. So you can have a father and not have a good relationship. You can have a father and not be able to joke around. Some of you all have the blessing. You, you go fishing with your dad and you you're in a group chat and some of y'all are tired of your group chat because you got some auntie that's always texting at two in the morning. And so you muted that thing and left that thing 22 times and they keep adding you back and you're upset about the group chat. But there's someone else in this room that wishes they had a group chat. It's all about perspective. Everyone in this room is a child of God, but not everyone in this room can claim I am a friend of God. Not everyone can claim, and I'm not throwing stones. I'm just sharing with my heart. Not all of us can be able to say I walk with God in the coolness of the evening. I know God. I speak with God. I have an intimate relationship with God. But Abraham was to this place with God, where God would visit and he'd say, "Y'all gone ahead." I'm going to stay with Abraham. Notice it's not Abraham saying, God, let me stay with you. It's God saying, I want to stay with Abraham. What does it take to cause heaven to say, I want to dwell amongst my people? Because that is the true pursuit of revival. Not just goosebumps, not just the shakamu's, not just the run the aisles, not just dancing and leaping and singing. All of those are byproducts of revival. But I don't want, I don't want it, I don't I don't simply want a goosebump that goes away. I want God to make this place his habitation. I want God to tell the angels: take care of Russia liberate china but i'm gonna hang out at inspire church because i want to remain with my children Hallelujah. hallelujah to the lamb of god what is it that causes god to say i want to remain there we have revival chasers in the body of christ you hear about brownsville in the 90s and they're all running to brownsville heard about toronto and they all ran to toronto you heard about lakeland and they all ran to lakeland but i told you last week you're not supposed to chase blessing blessing is supposed to chase you show me in the bible where abraham chased wealth or chased blessing and i'll change my sermon but that's not what he did he chased after god he looked for god he sought god and blessing and favor and dominion and wealth and children like stars in the sky found abraham because abraham found god give him praise in the house Hallelujah. God remained with Abraham. So when I find someone that's blessed, I study them. I hang out with them. I want to know what you did to be wealthy. I want to know what you did to have a good marriage. Every time Gene and I go to visit someone that has teenagers and their teenagers are living for God, we're like, what did you do so that your kids would live for God? Because you want to be around people that have already been there, done that, bought the t-shirt and are selling the t-shirt. So if you want to be blessed and Abraham is the father of faith, you might as well look at his life and say, what is it about this man that would cause God to say, I'm going to dwell there. So I study his life, patriarch of our faith, called a friend of God. Some theologians say that if you could measure his wealth in today's money, he was worth somewhere between three to six billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And when I read it, when I first saw that, I was, I don't know, maybe 21, 22 years old. And when I read it, Norfolk, Virginia, read it in the family room of our house. When I read that, I said out loud, Oh, God, bless me like Abraham. And I heard the audible voice of God. He spoke back and he said, Oh, Tony, obey me like Abraham. Because Abraham-style blessing requires Abraham-style obedience. Abraham is the father of our faith, but he is not the father of the Naaman and claimant movement. I believe in the power of decreeing and declaring. I believe in the power of the spoken word. I think you need to do a lot more blessing and a lot less cursing. I believe you need to be careful what comes out of your mouth. There's life and death in the tongue. I think that's why the psalmist said, let the praises of the Lord be continually in my mouth. Because as long as the praises of the Lord are continually in your mouth, that leaves no room for lying and deceit and gossip and... Anyhow, I believe in the power of the spoken word, but Abraham was not blessed because he knew how to name it and claim it. Abraham was blessed because he knew how to hear it and obey it. He knew how to hear and obey God. And his obedience to the voice of God brought the favor of God. But you got to—you can't just know the voice. You got to know the language of the Spirit. I had a dog named Ollie. Ollie knew my voice. If I walked in the house and I said anything, he knew the tone of my voice, and Ollie come running to me. Because he knew I was the liberation for his laundry room sentence. He knew I'd set him free. If, I, if he heard my voice, he'd scratch it at the door because he knew his kinsman redeemer had shown up. But I couldn't sit on the floor and say, Ali, how's the day gone for you? You doing good? Did Gina, was Gina mean to you today? I mean, t- talk to me about you. Because he knows my voice, but he doesn't know my language. And you can know, you can say, I sense, I feel God in the room. But what is the Lord saying? Do you know your father's language? Do you know what he's trying to talk to you? Abraham spent enough time with God that he could commune with God. He could talk with God. He could understand God. And not only would God talk to him, but Abraham would talk to God. They were in perpetual communication with each other. And prompted. Hebrews 11 is called the, the chapter of faith. And it says, by faith, so and so, by faith, so and so, by faith, so and so. But the amplified version doesn't say by faith. It says, prompted by faith. It's what they did by faith. What brought the favor of God over Abraham's life is what he did through faith. He wasn't chasing blessing. He was chasing God. David never pursued the palace he pursued, the king, and all these things. Matthew, it's Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I don't have to chase the things I need. They'll, they'll find me. I'm preaching a sermon this week at, at a different conference. Favor found me favor found me. I didn't have to find it, it found me. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to find blessing, blessing found me. David was living destitute and alone in a cave. And one day his daddy walked in, and his brothers walked in, and the mighty men of Israel walked in. Everything, he didn't have to go find it, it found him. Because when you walk in favor, you don't have to chase down blessing. Blessing will chase you down. Abraham lived in that kind of relationship with God. Genesis 22. It's this easy. I'm, I'm trying to understand with God. What is it? What does it take to be a friend of God? Genesis 22. The Bible says that God, testing Abraham's faith, called, and He said, "Abraham," and Abraham said, "Here I am." The first sin of the Garden of Eden was disobedience. The second mistake, God couldn't find his kids. Now, you think as a parent, when you try to get a hold of your kids and they don't answer, how do you feel? I have GPS on my kids, I have found my iPhone on my kids. If I call my son and he doesn't answer, I'm pulling out my phone and I'm doing find my iPhone. If that doesn't, I got all kinds of things buzzing and beeping. You can't say, oh, I didn't know you were calling. I'm like, nope, nope. That that worked in 92. That doesn't work in 2020. I got too many things bumping you and you're, I mean, things are buzzing and ringing. There's not, think of how you feel when you can't get a hold of your kids. Now imagine if you're God and there's only two on the earth. Talking about creation. God goes to look, and they're hiding from God. That is a mistake that Abraham never commits. God calls, and Abraham is available. You want to be blessed of God? You have to be available to God. You have to answer the call of God. When God said Abraham, Abraham didn't say, I need five more days and two minutes. I got some stuff to take care of. Because nothing else mattered to Abraham but to hear God. He was more consumed with being here with God than anything else he had in his life. And he was a busy man. And God says, you know that son, because you got two The one you love, sacrifice him. God had to specify which of the two he was talking about. Because it had been easier for Abraham to say, how about I give you Ishmael? He's been a little bit of a troublemaker lately. I just think like there might be some problems a few generations down with him anyhow. In fact, let's do a twofer. You could take him and Hagar. God says the one that you love. Give them to me as a sacrifice. And Abraham does not complain. Now here's the thing about Abraham. He has so much influence with God. How much influence does he have? He has so much influence that he can negotiate with heaven. God is going to rain judgment down on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, God, if we found 50 in the city would you spare the city? God said, yeah, I'll spare it for 50. And Abraham says, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry to bug you, but if we found 45, he was doing with God the way you do on the car lot. Okay, God, for, what about 20? He got God all the way down to 10. He has enough influence with God that he can negotiate the salvation of a city. This is why this has been ringing in my spirit right now. Because the city of Houston, the state of Texas, the United States of America, and the nations of this world, we need some Abrahams right now that have enough favor and influence with God that we say, God, if you can find just 10 people in Houston, will you spare this city? If you can find just 1,000, will you spare this thing? God, would you spare it? We need some watchmen on the wall. We need some men and some women in the gap that can pray and have influence with God and say, oh God, if you find just one church, if it's only inspired church, would you withhold fury and send another baptism of grace? The Lord gave me a word in September while I was in this church and he told told me to tell you and to tell the nation that America was about to see that revival had never died. The fans just needed to be flamed a little bit more. He told us that a season of repentance was birthing a season of revival. And he said specifically that it was the Abrahams. It was the Daniels that had influenced heaven's courts. It was the Abrahams. It was you. church mother. It was you intercessor. It was you prayer warrior. It was you believer that prayed when no one knew you were praying. You prayed when no one was watching and God heard you like he heard Abraham. And he said, because of the prayers of the righteous, I will spare. my god i feel prophetic unction stirring up in me right now thus saith the lord of hosts i will spare this nation your end is not nigh my spirit my moving my grace my mercy is sufficient for thee i am in the midst of thee saith god But notice with Abraham, I'm sorry if I'm... I got to get done quick. Notice with Abraham that when it came to Sodom and Gomorrah, he negotiated with God. But when it came to what God asks of him, There is no negotiation. He does not take the same approach as he does with Sodom and Gomorrah. He does not say, can we skip Isaac and I just give you Ishmael? He doesn't negotiate the price and the cost that is required for the blessing and the favor of God. There is no argument. In fact, it goes further than that. God says, give me the lad as a sacrifice. And Abraham tells his servants, the lad and I will go up and worship. That changed my perspective. Because when I was growing up in church, we sang, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of Of the Lord. So, what really should have happened, it should have been Abraham walking up there with Isaac. I bring the sacrifice of praise. But that's not the way it worked. God called it sacrifice, Abraham is the one that called it worship. Abraham didn't call it sacrifice. Abraham called it worship because he knew that when you give to God, you never lose. There is no price too high. There is no price too great. I give this to you as worship. And what I'm showing heaven and what I'm showing myself is that I love this, but I love you more. This is great, but you're greater. What God called sacrifice, Abraham called it worship. And that is why. That is why this man could walk under such favor with God. Proverbs 29, I'm coming to a close, I promise. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Another version says, where there is no prophetic insight. Abraham has insight that can only come from hanging out with God. Because he says, this is what he says to his servants, He says, the lad and I, this is what he says. Let let me find the verse there just so you, I'm going to read it just the way they wrote it. Verse five, he tells his servants, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and catch this. We will worship there, and then, somebody say, and then. And then we will come right back. Another version says, the boy and I will go up, and the boy and I will come down. It's as if Abraham had prophetic insight. I go up, but I'm coming down because God never leaves me empty handed. He is prophesying the boy and I are coming. I wish, I wish God would help me to preach it the way I feel like He's putting it in my spirit. You're not going to lose what you give to God. You're going to give it to God. He's going to bless it. He's going to sanctify it and He's going to give it back to you. your neighbor you're not coming down empty-handed tell someone else you're not coming down empty-handed because god is gonna supply god is gonna provide god is Give Him praise in the house I know you saw me suffering but blink your eyes because i'm coming back down and i'm not coming back alone i know you saw me go up this mountain of cancer but i'm coming back with healing i know you saw me climb through this trial but i'm coming back with victory i'm not coming back empty-handed because i got favor with god When you're that close to God, you'll prophesy by accident. You'll say stuff and you don't even know what you're saying. Because they get up on the mountain and Isaac says, uh, Dad, behold the wood, behold the fire, where is the lamb? and abraham's over there with you know with a measuring tape He says, isaac well uh, the lord the lord but the exact words to him in the king james version abraham says to isaac the lord will provide himself a lamb. The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Now I know he's talking in that moment, but Abraham was accidentally prophesying what was about to happen thousands of years later because when we needed a lamb, when we needed a redeemer, when we needed the shedding of blood for you and I, the Lord himself, hallelujah, the Lord provided himself a lamb to take away the sins of the world. When you walk with God, you'll start saying stuff and prophesying You don't even know what's coming out of your mouth because of how close you're walking with God. Stand with me, if you will, because that way I'll stop preaching. We need an Abraham right now. We need an Abraham that can draw the presence of God to where we are. We need an Abraham that can intercede on behalf of a city and of a nation. We need a Daniel that can open up the windows and pray even if they say don't pray and have so much influence with God, God would visit you. He said, I'm going up and I'm going to worship. There was no price too great, there was no thing too important to give up. He was passionately pursuing the person of God. I want God to remain here. I heard Rod Parsley say, I was watching an old video. And he was talking about this concept of revival chasing. This is an old video. It's like from 1997. And he said someone had, someone had asked him, Hey, have you got the Toronto blessing yet? And he said, Nope. Have you got the Brownsville blessing? He said, Nope. They said, Well, what do you got? He said, I got the Columbus blessing. He said, I've been living in a state of perpetual revival for over 20 years. And it it pricked my heart. It hit me. I don't have to go take someone else's blessing. I don't have to go catch what someone else caught. God has his own blessing, his own fire, his own visitation, his own... Glory cloud for inspire church for Tony Suarez for Richard Hurd for you He has his own thing that he wants to do with you. You don't have to chase down Abraham's blessing You don't have to chase down David's kingdom because God has something for you that if you'll find him You'll find everything that the father has ever wanted to give you But I have a responsibility I have a responsibility The responsibility to obtain the blessing of God is personal holiness and integrity. I gotta be willing to lay some Isaacs on the altar. I gotta be willing to put some stuff on the altar and say, you're worth more. What do you want of me? What do you want of me, God? That's the question that should be coming from our hearts. Say, God, what what do you want of me, Father? to reach Africa and the Middle East and Asia I felt so strong in my spirit I, I, I think it's when I was here at the beginning of the year I felt that the Lord gave me a word for this church that he was giving you another nation and then this stupid COVID stuff started I know you're not supposed to say that word but it applies <laughs> But in Church, the Lord is going to give you another nation. He's giving you a new nation. You know why he'll give you a new nation? Because you don't say, how much does it cost? You don't balk at heaven's asking price. You say, Father, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'll do it. Because your presence means everything to me. We need the angelic hosts. No, notice what's happening. and for, I'm, I'm, Notice what's happening out there. The spirit of Antichrist is attacking the prophetic. It's attacking spiritual warfare. It's attacking the Pentecostal church. That's spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a spirit fight right there. It's trying to mute the church, mute the prophets, mute the prayer warriors, mute the spiritual warfare. But uh, the devil is a liar. We will not shut up. We will continue to prophesy. We will continue to decree. We will continue to ask the angels of the Lord to fight on our behalf. We will decree. We We will declare. There is... Very real spiritual warfare taking place right now. But I want to have a Genesis eighteen twenty two move. Where God tells the angels of his army, go fight there, go fight there, go get this, go get that. But I'm going to stay right here at Inspire Church because I want to be amongst my Abrahams. I want to be amongst my children. I want to make this the habitation of my dwelling. I want to be amongst my children. People. You're all I want. Let's sing it one more time before Bishop comes. You're, You're all, all I Father, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. I want to know you more. I want to walk with you. I want to know what you're speaking. I am hungry for you. And I ask that you would make of this place your dwelling place the place of your habitation that you would say as you said to the angels, I will remain with Abraham. Oh God, remain with me. Remain with this church. Remain with us. Stay with us because we are hungry for your presence. With your own voice, Would you cry out to the Lord as Bishop comes at this point? Cry out and let him know how much you desire of his presence.